Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hi, Raquel. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to chat with you. How we met is really kind of cool. So I'll save that for our <laughs> our conversation. <laughs> but please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. So my name is Raquel Vasquez. I'm a Black and Latina entrepreneur and writer from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm also CEO and founder of the Empowered Block, which is an equity-driven community development consulting and career coaching firm. So we met in a bakery not far from either of us, I'm assuming, because we were yeah. both there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it was really nice to just have you say hi and to connect and to share about the work that you're doing and also just kind of your transition because you moved to this area in Maryland for a job. Right. You mentioned that to me. And so I'd love for you to talk about the move from New York to here and then the transition you experienced when you got here. So I guess a little bit before I talk about my move. So I've served in community development for about 13 years working in a bunch of different sectors, doing affordable housing, doing economic development, doing food policy. And I transitioned to a job uh, from New York City to DC last year and uh, was doing consulting. And then I decided uh, late last year that I wanted to leave and launch my own consulting firm and do community development the way that I saw that it, it could be done. Hmm. What has called you the most to community development and share a little bit about the empowered block and mm -hmm. how you want the work that you're creating to be far reaching and to impact our communities. So the empowered block, we have advising services, we have coaching services, and we also maintain a network for people of color who work in community development. We try to showcase at least one person of color in the field every month because there are not enough platforms that really elevate the amazing work that we're all doing. And my inspiration, honestly, I've been in community development most of my career, if not all, actually. And the foundations of community development are really inspiring. They're rooted in the 1960s during the civil rights movement. There were at the forefront people of color, especially Black people, just trying to rally for civil rights, for fair housing, for equal job opportunities, for equal access to public resources. And that fire 
I feel I've carried my whole life and I've always wanted to serve my community and make sure that in anything that I'm doing, I'm able to uplift my communities, the communities I belong to and communities that we're all a part of as Americans, as people who are residents of a certain town or locality. So that's the sort of drive and value that we really see in the Empowered Block. We want to do community development differently because we look at the industry now and it's such a contrast. There's a dire lack of diversity. The people at the forefront do not look like the people who were at the forefront at the very foundation of the community development movement. So I'm trying to push that to push that and to make sure that we have more visibility, that we're having critical conversations about policies that impact the communities where we work and where we live and tackle questions that are sort of white elephants in the room about gentrification, about home ownership, about equity, what equity means for people, especially people of color. And a lot of investments over the years, especially the last couple of years, have been in underserved communities and just making sure that the community is at the root of every aspect of whatever investment is going on in their neighborhoods. We need a seat at the table. It's about time that we reclaim it or just build it ourselves. So for folks who may not be familiar with community development, can you kind of give us the definition of community development? So community development, it basically encompasses a lot of different grassroots policies that impact local communities. So anything from food justice, from food access, access to healthy you know, groceries mm-hmm. in supermarkets, access to local banking institutions, access to capital for local small businesses, access to equal opportunity for healthcare and, and equal access to healthcare access to quality education. So it touches literally every aspect of how a community functions and operates and how it ultimately will be thriving or not. So you mentioned on your website under our vision, which I really love this language, there is power in our voices and there is agency to cultivate positive change. Can you Mm -hmm. talk us through what that means to you, how the Empowered Block is facilitating folks in doing that, and also what you've been hearing from the community about Mm -hmm. the work that you're doing. So in terms of just making sure that there's agency in our voices and and empowerment and everything that we're doing for our communities, it's really important to the Empowered Block and what we choose to do in terms of the projects that we choose to operate on. We only operate with and and take in clients that believe in community agency, that believe that community input is valuable, that should be a foundation of every community development project. And we also believe in just values-oriented clients. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the coaching services, so the the career coaching that we provide to students and emerging professionals in community development, that aspect of the business was basically grown because there was a need to just increase diversity and increase visibility and, and people who want to be more progressive, more differentiate themselves from traditional organizations that might be in the field that might not be reflective of diverse voices, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So just giving a platform for all of that, for all of that dialogue, and then also for the uplifting of and support of, of folks' careers so that they can flourish and thrive and be successful and make a difference and impact. 
And in terms of what we hear from the community, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do to make sure that the community is heard, that we are heard, that it's not just people of color who work in community development. We work on projects that are in our communities, but we we live in them. We work for them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just some abstract community. It's like where we live and work. It's directly impactful to have agency in that and to make sure that others are uplifted and as well as ourselves and that our community is being looked after and and we can trust our organizations such as the Empowered Block to make sure that they're fighting for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is so important. And it's interesting, especially when we think about gentrification. Um, A friend of mine and I were just talking about how it seems as though things don't get fixed unless white people are moving in. And I want to know your thoughts on that, especially as folks gentrify black and brown communities. What are your thoughts on gentrification? What are your thoughts on gentrification linked to racism and mm-hmm. how can people show up in their community and be advocates and activists so that things feel like it's not just to push people out right but it's to right. serve the people who are already there does that make sense so in terms of gentrification <laughs> i'm from brooklyn new york which is arguably one of the most gentrified places that <laughs> that exists on the planet right now. So it literally devastates me to see like a lot of places that I grew up with gone and, and a lot of places that my parents grew up with that are gone. And Mm -hmm. it's like a graveyard of memories for people who are from these sort of communities that are rapidly gentrifying. We know what was at this corner decades ago. We know what was at that corner decades ago. And when you live in a gentrifying community, I was living in central Harlem for about 10 years, and that's actually where my mother is from. And it's really hard to see it. It's hard to see that when you witness gentrification happening, you see certain street signs get fixed. The Mm -hmm. streets are getting paved again for the first time in maybe a decade. Things look brighter. There are lights on the street. There are trees that are planted. So Mm -hmm. it's really, really heartbreaking as somebody who's from a community, has roots in a community that is being gentrified because it is a reflection of the racist public policies that have been perpetuated in cities and that are actively reinforced. But what I encourage people to do is not be in the mentality of, oh, this is like not being a defeatist sort of mentality, but make make that empower you, make that empower you to stand up and Mm -hmm. to make your voice heard, to make sure that 
you know, there's accountability for the, the discrepancy and the, the level of services provided to communities pre-post gentrification. Make sure that you have a stake in your local community by voting, by participating in civic engagement, by joining your local planning boards. I was on my planning board in central Harlem for about four years, and I was chairing historic preservation and transportation. And it's a big responsibility. And it was such an honor to be able to serve my community, to serve the community where my mom and her parents lived in. Like my grandfather, his first house from his first apartment from South Carolina, moving from the Great Migration was just four blocks from where I lived one of my buildings in Harlem. So it was such a privilege to be able to see the full cycle and to be able to actively participate in advocating for services on behalf of my community and for my community. Did you feel like you were heard and that change was made because of your voice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw it every day because of a lot of my leadership and efforts that we did. We were able to secure two historic districts in central Harlem. We were able to do over two dozen uh, street co-namings. So street co-namings, it's just a fancy word for street renaming. (laughs) So like, you know, there's a numbered street and then there's like a street honoring a certain individual who was a part of the legacy of Harlem. So I had the honor to do like Ruby D, Ossie Davis, there was Thurgood Marshall. There were so many great, amazing leaders that we were able to do street co-namings for in Harlem. And I'm super proud of that work that no matter what, their names will never be forgotten. Our history will never be forgotten. And that's a huge part of advocacy, of, of making sure that history is, is documented and that we're represented, we're here. So shifting gears a little bit, you do a lot of work in the community and for the community. How do you take care of yourself through showing up for those around you and by running this new organization and business? What does self-care look like for you these days? Self-care is extremely important. I think as a leader, as a businesswoman, but as a Black and Latina woman, especially, there's this organization called Girl Track, and I would participate on a bunch of their walks. Shout out to Girl Trek. They're doing amazing work for people, especially Black women. But like learning about the stories of Fannie Lou Hamer, of people, Black women leaders that have done so much for their community, but they were exhausted. Mm -hmm. And community development, community organizing can be exhausting, but self-care has to really be prioritized in order to make sure that we're our best selves to do the best that we can for our communities. So I believe that you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to really nourish yourself. You have to give back to yourself first so that you're not just surviving through the day, but you're thriving and thriving in every aspect of your life. So it's really important to me. It's important to just show up and to really do the work, but be there for yourself above everything. And Self-care for me is writing. (laughs) So I I love writing. I've always loved to write, but 
especially during the pandemic, I just got back into my poetry and, and just, I last year finished writing my first poetry collection. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> which, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> which I'm circulating, but I'm um, among publishers, but it's a poetry collection called Chain of Command. And it talks a lot about the experiences of women of color in the workplace, actually, and what we have to bear sometimes and what gets left out of certain conversations. I think it's really important to make sure that we're all being heard and that we're all visible, you know, where we're working and where we live, et cetera. So I just wanted to write this long love poem for women of color. So yeah, that's what it is. I'm totally putting you on the spot here, but I'd love to hear something from your collection. Are you open to reading it? This is called Ain't No Magic Here. I'm a Black woman. No magic defines me. I'm no sorcerer or witch. I have no supernatural powers. I'm a human. I carefully avoid using the hashtag Black girl magic in fear of others confusing my utter being as magical. Black women, we are painted to be mythological creatures, strong, bold, able to tolerate the heaviest of loads. We are expected to be the conscience, saving the nation from itself at the polls and in the classrooms. My skill is the result of hard work and dedication. My strength is my means of survival. I cannot bear the weight of the strong Black woman trope anymore. My kindness is a virtue. I am no magical Negro trope either coming to your rescue. So when you think to call me magical, please remember, ain't no magic here. Mm. Oof. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank wow. you. Talk us through that poem coming to life. What sure. triggered you to be like, you know what? I'm kind of dismantling what we you know, have grown to know about Black girl magic mm-hmm. and showing up in a new way, because that's mm-hmm. really, really stunning. And I loved all the language that you used in your poem. I'm a huge fan of hashtag Black Girl Magic, and I support my fellow Black women doing amazing things. But I just felt uneasy subscribing to the term myself, because I was afraid of it becoming some sort of strong Black women trope or some sort of something that makes me feel like I need to be superhuman. I need to be superwoman at all times because Mm -hmm. I'm Black girl magic. Like (laughs) I have to exceed my expectations and I have to hold myself to a different standard. I already do that. But to have another sort of force existing to subscribe to that as well, it's hard. So like I stand for it. I really like love Black Girl Magic. I want to say I don't want <laughs> people to think I'm not for it, but I just wanted to question what that means for me and what mm-hmm. kind of pressure that could put that already feel a lot of pressures, but they're, you know, trying to push themselves farther to be magical. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love being challenged and questioned, especially when it comes to writing and our craft and art right. because that's what it's supposed to do, you know? Yeah. And so I love that poem and I actually would love it framed. A lot of Black women in particular will be able to resonate with that because we are conditioned to be right. magical, to wear a cape, to be the savior, right? And so right. what if we don't want to do that? Exactly. What if we can't do that? Yeah. And so 
I love it. I'm here for it. Thank you for reading that. I know I put you on the spot. So as we wrap up our conversation, I like to ask this question at the end and, and feel free to just take a minute before you answer if you need to. But if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you teach her? Mm, so many things. Ooh. <laughs> but she had a good head on her shoulders, so she navigated. But what would I tell my younger self? I would tell her to not be afraid of standing out and starting a path that you might think is unchartered or has not been done necessarily in your immediate family or in your extended family or, you know, just go out there and really challenge yourself and do what you love and don't have any regrets about that. Because in the future, you'll look back and you'll think I was always proud of myself for choosing myself and for choosing what I wanted to do. So that would be my message to my younger self and to hang in there and keep being a boss. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.